Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Life doesn't have a pause button. That's why Capella University's FlexPath learning format lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them if something comes up. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference for you at capella.edu. I'm Eric. And I'm Brittany. And we are for Colored Nerds. Yes, the conversations that black people have. When white people, when white people aren't in the room. You should say it again and just put emphasis on every... <laughs> when white people aren't in the room. Or like when white people, white people aren't in the room, white people aren't in the room. It's different every time, uh, except we record them, which we're yes. doing right now, and put it on the internet. put it on the internet. Internet. I can't talk today. I'm jumbling my words. That's I got a right. real my southern affectation. Southern is, uh, southern is affectation. <laughs> so, how are you doing this week, Eric? Uh, I'm doing all right. I've seen you a lot. I know. <laughs> well, you were trying to see me tomorrow, and I put the mm. put the kibosh on trying, that. Trying. You were. You actually told me that I had no choice. <laughs> yeah, but I got true. out of it and living good. All right. Well, you know, I'm enjoying my time off too. But until then, today, today, what <laughs> today. are we talking about today? Today, we're going to talk about Chirac. So, last night, Eric and I went to uh, went to Bam Rose yes. Cinemas, which I like is... the Bam. Yes, which is, for those who don't know, Bam is short for Brooklyn Academy of Music, which is like a multi-purpose, multi-building event performance space in downtown Brooklyn in Fort Greene. Yeah. And it's around the corner from where I work. And, uh, and Eric and I went to see the 640 showing. Yeah. The first showing, I think, in that theater in the day, maybe? Yeah, I think so, I yeah. think so, of Chirac. Uh, so we saw a Spike Lee. The other thing you should know about BAM is that BAM is actually just literally around the corner from 40 Acres and a Mule's yeah. offices. So You can see the flag when you pass by. Exactly. You can see the flag when you pass by. So we saw Chirac, Spike Lee's newest film, in the seat of Brooklyn, yes. which is where he's where, from. Yeah, he's from Fort Green. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty deep. We... Um, you know, Eric came by my office at first, rushed me along, make sure we got to the movie on time. Yes. We went to see a 640 showing. Eric asked if we could possibly see a an earlier one. Let me <laughs> let y'all know, this is a work day. There is no such thing as a viable, like a viable movie time that comes before see, 640. Uh, like a two o'clock matinee? Right, exactly. <laughs> Just like, sorry, gotta go, gotta go do this right now. I'm trying to make sorry, it Sorry, job. My, my bedtime is, you know, like... 10, 15, 10, 30. Uh-huh. And I like to wind down. So I want to like go to the movies, have fun, whatever, come back, <laughs> talk to Carla, like read a book. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? You, what like, book are you reading? I'm reading Notorious RBG. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm rereading a different book. I'm reading Char- Charlene Hunter-Galt. 
or Galt know. Hunter? I think it's Hunter Galt. She uh, she was the first uh, first black woman to attend, I think, the University of Georgia. Oh, wow. Yeah, in the 1960s. So I'm just, you know, re- reading for inspiration. Tapping into the legacy. Tapping into the legacy to yeah. fortify my soul. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you yeah, know, I, I, I had some laundry to do, so I couldn't understand we wanted to go early showing. But, you know, Eric's old as fuck, so he's trying to go early in his fucking <laughs> 640. Earlier than a, basically, essentially a That's 630 late. movie time. Happy hour's about to end. That's too late. Anyway, so we went to the movies. Of course, naturally, Eric got a large popcorn. Did not want to share it with me. I gave you a little bit. I know. I was hungry. I, I know. <laughs> you, I thought you got a large popcorn. I was like, that's nice. Eric's going to get some for us to share. Because, like, large popcorn literally anywhere is too fucking big for a human to eat by himself. No. So, I, whatever. So, we get there. He gets a large popcorn. And I was like, oh, you're going to share it with me? He was like, uh, no, this is for me. And so, I was like. Eric, there's no way that you could finish this by yourself. And you're like, look, this is about to be my dinner, which it wasn't anyway. Yeah, so really there you go, it. putting you on blast. So I was like, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'll just get my own. It's fine. I'll get my own. No, but at that point, we couldn't because then you made me look like an ass in front of the lady who's going, she was looking to be real crazy. Like, because you look, because you look crazy. Because you look crazy. <laughs> I was already mad because they had cherry coke. Like, first uh, off, yeah. what? Movie theater doesn't have cherry coke. Everybody knows when you go Damn to the movies, Rose, you go, you get cherry coke, you get butter popcorn. That's true. You do I get do. butter popcorn. I can't stand people who go to the movie theater and don't get butter popcorn. I'm like, first of all, they're like, you know, it just doesn't feel natural. And I'm like, well, okay, I can see that. But That's also, fine. like, what do you think is coloring the popcorn that you're eating yellow? Yep. If you don't put the butter on it, like, <laughs> what natural, what natural flavoring do you think is making this fucking popcorn With, so goddamn it's yellow? To be like skinny pop. Right. Uh, like, come on. <laughs> right. Exactly. By all these shortcomings and setbacks. Uh, we found ourselves in the theater, yes. and it was. What did you? What did you, th- what did you think? It was fucking lit. <laughs> like, <laughs> yo, this movie, man. I wasn't ready. I thought I was ready. I wasn't ready. I came like a blank slate. I came like a blank well, slate. I don't know what I expected. Let's. So okay. Do we want to get into it? Do we want to get into it? Might as well just get down to it. All right. So Spike. This last few movies, um, been a little rough. Feeling rough. The trailer showed promise. Yeah. A lot of people slept on the trailer in terms of like if once you understood that like it was in rhyme, like yeah. once I figured out that the movie was in rhyme and like an obvious satire and yeah and a, like a clear satire, I was like okay. But I've heard about Red Hook Summer. I haven't seen it. Oh, you didn't see it. The blood of sweet baby, the Jesus. I heard about that. <laughs> the blood. <laughs> The blood of sweet baby to Jesus. Like, I still, I cannot not remember uh, Miracle of St. Anna. I never saw that one. Oof. Had to be better than Red Tails. (laughs) Had to be, had to be, had to be. I never saw Red Tails, but. So, yeah. But, yeah, so I wasn't wasn't necessarily expecting the best. And after, like, ten minutes in, I was like, oh, shit, Spike, Spike is. Spike is in this. Oh, he's see, here. Foot, foot, whole foot. <laughs> like, he is, he, he's ready. He's committed. Mm-hmm. He's feeling fresh. So, we should talk about what the movie's about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll start. I'll start. So, um, the movie is like a refresh of the play by the ancient Greek playwright. I guess yes. that's what you call somebody who writes a play, Aristophanes. Yes. The name of that original play was Lysistrata, who's also, um, which is the name of the lead character in that play, mm-hmm. also is the lead name of the lead character um, in Chirac, played by Tiana Paris. So Lysistrata is basically a story about these women, I think in Sparta and Troy, who are trying mm-hmm. to stop the their war. men. Yeah, it's trying to stop the Peloponnesian War, which, according to Aristophanes, was pretty lit. 
I could imagine. Yeah. So they they were like, you know what we're going to do to get them to stop having this war? So we're not going to give them no poise, as, uh, <laughs> as Plies would say. Sweet poise Saturday. It's Saturday, though. It, it is, is Saturday. Saturday. Happy sweet poise Saturday for everybody out there. So, yeah, so they were like, you know, we're going to stop having sex with them. That's how we will get them to stop having this war. We're basically going to go on a sex strike. So... Spike Lee updated that to to take place not in ancient Greece but in the cities uh in, in, in the streets of in the streets of Chicago yeah. uh specifically the south side of Chicago which we've definitely touched on in in this on this show before yeah is like Black of the Berry I think yeah Black of the Berry we got a lot going on in another episode inadvertently we definitely talked a lot about the violence in Chicago yeah um inadvertently <laughs> so um. Yeah. Well played. Yes, I try. Um, so, yeah, so Chicago's definitely been covered uh, in one way or another, whether you realize it or not, on this show. And there's a lot of violence, basically. A lot of gun violence, a lot of gun violence happening um, at the, like, like from young black men, not just to other young black men, which I think was what we experienced a lot in the 90s, yeah. what we're used to growing up. But now, like, anybody, like, anybody is fair game. Yeah. And that's kind of, like, the issue in Chicago. Even the film opens up with statistics about the number of lives lost in the Afghanistan and Iraq, Iraq wars. War. Yeah. Combined. And combined, yeah, is still less, I think, than the, than the amount of people who have died in Chicago. Within the this, same period. Within the same period. But basically what he does is this woman played by Tiana Paris yes. and Melissa Strada, who uh, she's the girlfriend of a rapper and gang leader, Busy Guy. Yeah. Who's also named <laughs> who's also named Chirac, who I think was I think was loosely based off of Chief Keef. I, I think that's fair. Yeah, uh, yeah. So so played by Nick Cannon, by the way. Played by Nick Cannon. I think he's in charge of this, this the orange no, the purple Spartans. Yes, correct. And then there are the orange Trojans, people of Troy, who are headed by Wesley, Wesley Snipes. Snipes. Yeah. I'm just I'm happy Wesley Snipes was back. I didn't know that I was ready for him to be back in this role. I but actually, I loved it. I secretly loved it. It was real interesting. A yeah. lot of sequence. A lot, like, a lot more than you would ever expect. More sequence and rhinestones than you would ever expect. And his accent was wild. Yeah. His speech pattern was wild. Anyway, so yeah, so basically, Lissa Strata starts a sex strike among like the gang leaders, like girlfriends and the gang members' girlfriends, and then she spreads it to an older type of like mentor woman yeah. who, in a Miami tale, the character was Mama Africa. Yeah. In this one, I can't remember her name. Miss Ellen. Miss Ellen, who is uh, played by. Angela Bassett looking who chewed the fuck out of this movie. Yeah, and chewed, spit it out literally, like, and also looking fine as yes. Get damn wine, Jesus Christ! So if you didn't know already, it's gonna be some spoilers in this movie. Yeah, we can't talk about it without spoilers. Yeah, if so y'all know this, like you just go see the fucking. You just movie. gotta deal. Yeah, you know if you want to this time, I guess it's okay to pause it until you see. Yeah. the rest of the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you don't want to be spoiled, but coming back to that, that's important to note because Angela Bassett fucking dropped it in this film. When you say drop it, be specific. What's the audience know what you mean? She um she turned around, poked uh-huh. it out, and literally like shook her ass. And Angela Bassett. Oh my God. I never really know she was she was doing that. Like first that. of all, first of all. I, first of I all, didn't know. you are wrong because Angela Bassett Well no no no. I ain't know I'm not saying I didn't know she was. Oh, you're fine. saying you didn't know she was she like there was there was, a, what she there was, was some rhythmic talent yeah i was to I was, how she dropped we it. made eye contact after she did that we were both just like she had done that before she didn't practice that for the film you know what i'm saying i know what you're saying so that that's what i was shocked by i see i see i knew angela bassett was fine Come but on. back to back to the movie sorry sorry right sorry. back to the film <laughs> so um right so uh so like i said we uh, we already got like the gang members girlfriends and jump offs and they said even the hoes and the thoughts yes right 
all, even I want to say the actual pro, uh, the actual sex workers like like, yeah. like prostitutes. Yes. So they all were you know on some no 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 pussy no peace no pussy yes. right. Additionally, like Miss Ellen got like all the women of her ilk who seemed to be like what business women, yeah. doctors, lawyers to also agree. There are men who are in kind of like a, sh- a Shriners kind of. Yeah, it's like a Shriners bougie, club kind of yeah. like group for older black men they they were you know obviously the gang members and all, all the regular dudes you know quote unquote from you know the streets they were incensed yeah. and then you also had like the shriners upset and then like the police yeah the mayor's they, office yeah th- then there's this other plot twist plot turn plot turn where Lysistrata and basically all of the women that she's gotten on board like all the young women they yeah. take over a United States armory in Chicago um, for, and it's unclear why, but I was gonna say I thought it was just me. It's kind of unclear why. So they take it over, and then they like make that their base camp, yeah. and they like are in there for like fucking three months. Came with a surprising amount of coordinated outfits. Yeah, must coordinate. Be specific. Coordinated fucking um, like shoes. No, but what is chastity belt? Chastity belt. Like a lot of different like coochie cutter. Yeah, type. And like you know, shorts. I think there were some. There was yeah, some it was some tights in there. Tights too, in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like tank tops, no yeah. pussy, no peace. Tank tops. It was cute. It was cute actually. Yeah, and it culminates in this sex battle. It, uh, and then, I think you need to take a step back. It oh, I forgot. It culminates. Well, yeah. I, no, just to repeat the fact yeah, of what yeah. you go just ahead, mentioned. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It culminates in a sex off. A I, sex off. And you know, we're not even going to necessarily describe that in detail. You should definitely see the movie <laughs> to understand what we're saying. A sex off. Sex people. off. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so basically, because of Liz Estrada's actions, this one black woman in Chicago who's gotten all these other black women in her community mobilized to withhold the poise <laughs> and to take over this armory yes. for months, they put everyone in a frenzy so they get like women in the Dominican Republic in Brazil in Japan Greece. in Greece in Israel. Sweden Israel to like just be like no pussy no peace like if you want world peace you like you know if you want this pussy you gotta give us yeah. world peace first literally like these are the words they say yeah literally <laughs> like we, we're not just saying this to be colloquial yeah. like this is exactly what's happening so it ends up in the movie where you know some things are resolved if you want to, like, I don't think we necessarily, yeah, yeah well, but that's, that's it's inconsequential. Yeah, it's inconsequential to this conversation. So that's essentially what is, um, what was going on. It was, I enjoyed it. I loved it. I did too. It was actually one of the best, it was, I think it's actually one of Spike's best movies. Yeah. I think it's one of the best movies I've seen this year. That said. It had some issues. Yeah, there had some issues. And we're going to delve into some of those things today, but I think what we want to start with is the man himself. And this is this this helps to frame why it was a great movie. Yeah. You know, Spike Spike has Spike is uh what we would call a unicorn as a black director. Mm-hmm. His ability to put out work, you know, movies that are like roundly celebrated yeah. as iconic. Yeah. While if you look back, you know, even the iconic films, none of them are quite perfect, maybe except for Malcolm X. Yeah, I'd say. And Crooklyn. And Crooklyn. Yeah. Agreed. Perfect. All the rest of them kind of got some issues. Yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's who Spike is. Yeah. And that's why you love him. Yeah. And also, there's, and this is something we were talking about before we came in here, like, Spike Lee is, like, uh, you could say, like you said, he's a unicorn as far, as far as, like, having that type of career. Yeah. He also is allowed to make things that people think are really bad. Like, <laughs> yeah. I've seen Red Hook Summer. Yeah. I really didn't think it was good. Yeah. But 
I like he is allowed that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if you think about it, I hate th- I hate this motherfucker I'm about to talk about now. I hate the shit out of Woody Allen. And if I mm. saw him, I would probably sock him in the face. But I mean that's, that's just how that's how I feel yeah. about child molesters. But that being said, Woody Allen is somebody who's had a long and impressive film career. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And like he was allowed still, I want to say maybe after Hannah and her sisters in the eighties. He had a long stretch. Long stretch of real bad Terrible movies. films. Um Manhattan, I think Murder Mystery, yeah. uh Small Time Crooks. Yeah. There was another one that he made with Deborah Messing. That was bad. Yeah. And then he came back around. She didn't was, get rights about Match Point. Match Point, exactly. Yeah. Came and even Scoop. Then he made Scoop after Match yeah. Point, which was terrible. Mm. But like he was allowed to do that. And he was allowed to try different stuff and make weird stuff and people would still go see it. People could say it was bad. People could wrestle with it. Yeah. He could have dialogue with people about what worked and what didn't. And still be an auteur. Yes, exactly. And still be an auteur. And Spike is the only black director who has that type of career and yeah. I think it's so awesome there's a bunch of stuff that Spike's made that I think is so fucking amazing Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that he's made that I don't like and there's a bunch of movies that are kind of in between that, yeah. are, that are really good movies but probably need about 30 minutes cut out yeah yeah yeah, 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 you know? yeah. it's dope to me that he's allowed to do that and it's dope to me that he's also still so young do you yeah. know what I'm saying he's still like what in his early 50s he's still got a long career ahead of him yeah. and like seeing Chirac and, how, and seeing that Fire back up under his ass. Yeah, he knocked this one out of the park. It wasn't perfect, but he knocked it out of the park, and it makes me excited for like what else could be. What else could be on the horizon for Spike? No, I completely agree. It was him returning to his Spike Lee form. Like mm-hmm. he, it's not like he hasn't had a popular movie somewhat recently. Like I think Inside Man was like maybe ten years ago. Yeah, Inside Man was massive film. Yeah, but it wasn't quite, you know, the Spike Lee we usually know and love. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there it was it was clearly shaped for maybe a larger audience. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and it was also like homage to um was it Dog Day Afternoon? Dog Day another, Afternoon. Yeah, another yeah, heist yeah. film that revolved around like a whole bunch of action like that. Like yep. he was doing he was spiked doing somebody else. Yeah. Whereas like And did it well. Yeah, he did it. It was a great movie. Yeah. But like, yeah, this is this is Spike spiking. Yeah. Yeah. This <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> spike on Spike. Yeah. And it was, and it, honestly, it was fucking excellent. Like, he had, you know, those those shots where the people are, like, rolling through the shot. Yeah. It looks like they're, you know, not working. It's, it's kind of like a steady cam. But, yeah, he has, like, those shots. The, the cinematography is very, like, classically Spike. His attention to detail in terms of all of the posters on the wall, graffiti. He's always paid attention to the small details. Yeah. And also his ability to take it to the max. Oh, Spike does the most. He really, he 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 just went for it. He's a maximalist. Yes. Yeah, he yes. really is. He wants to do it all. And he's willing to go there knowing that it's not going to come out. It doesn't always come out 100% perfect. Yeah, he also, but, he knows that he's like comfortable with the fact that he's going to upset people and not make everybody happy. Exactly. Yeah. When I think about black art on a on the widest scale in general, I think that people are afraid to take those kinds of risks. Yeah. Do you know I mean, what I mean? We don't get to. No, exactly. Because like if you don't, if you t- if you take a risk and it doesn't pan out, yeah, it, it not only doesn't pan out, but doesn't exceed expectations, right? Because black people, in order for us to get anything, we have to exceed expectations. Yeah, then you then your money is gone and then your support is gone and yeah. you know what I'm saying like your patronage is gone. No, Spike Spike is somebody who can totally operate outside of that and still manage to like sally forth and have like a really really great career and be revered and be revered and it was one of the things i love about him also makes me sad because like nobody else really has that nobody else has that runway yeah i mean i mean honestly even if you think about black directors who have just had as long of a career like you know even if Mm -hmm. like just been able to continue working that that long yeah 
I can't really name no anybody, anybody else. No, I think Ava will probably become the second to yeah. work to operate at that level and to be able to have that long of a career. Yeah. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, everybody. It's Rob Lowe here. If you haven't heard, I have a podcast that's called Literally with Rob Lowe. And basically, it's conversations I've had that really make you feel like you're pulling up a chair at an intimate dinner between myself and people that I admire, like Aaron Sorkin or Tiffany Haddish, Demi Moore, Chris Pratt, Michael J. Fox. There are new episodes out every Thursday. So subscribe, please, and listen wherever you get your podcasts. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Not everything in life is flexible. But at Capella University, your education can be. With our game-changing FlexPath learning format, you're empowered to fit education into your life without putting other priorities on hold. FlexPath lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them when needed. You can take courses at your own speed and move on to the next one when you're ready. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference in your life at capella.edu. So, to maybe let's 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 dive into the movie. Let's dive into the movie. All right. I think we should probably start with Tiana. Yes. Tiana Paris. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you go ahead and get your words out. I, I, I know. No, no, but that I know, wasn't even I know what I was gonna some... start with. Okay. That wasn't even what I was gonna start. Okay. With. I'm gonna give you some credit. Oh, I'm ready. You put me on to Mad Men, and I remember being at your spot and being like, "Yo, what the fuck is this? All these white people on screen." <laughs> <laughs> old ass clothes like what are we watching and you was like nah it's good it's good it's good and I did even watch it then but like later on I think I was quote unquote in between jobs and oh I've been there before <laughs> for six or eight months at a time yes and I had some time on my hands and I like started watching it again I actually paid attention bench watched it anyway Mad Men is amazing when time came where I was hearing that they were going to start incorporating black characters I obviously got really excited mm-hmm. and when Tiana Paris came onto the screen as Don she was Excellent, extremely just kind of refreshing as a character and her approach to it. Mm-hmm. And I think a, I think it's safe to say a lot of people were really pissed that as the as the show kind of crept on that they didn't they they didn't increase her characters to Much what it seemed thought. like it yeah. could have accommodated. Yeah, that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tiana Paris was excellent in that. So I was I've always been really excited to see her in a role where she can really like uh, like stretch her wings. Yeah, to a degree. yeah. And this was definitely that. Yes, this was definitely that. Oh, it was so enjoyable. Now to go where you thought I was going. Go. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. This woman is also fine as. Hell. True. I, I talked with Carla. I was like, Carla, I want to go see Chirac. 
and I love you, most beautiful woman in my world. I'm going to have to talk about Tiana Paris tomorrow. <laughs> and I have to be real. I couldn't be true to myself if I ain't say Tiana Paris had me in there clutching my ring. Like, <laughs> <laughs> clutching my ring because she is a gorgeous woman. You know, it's, it's a part of the plot of the movie that Lisa Strada was supposed to be someone who, you know, had the ability to turn everyone's head with her eye. Like, yeah. literally, I think they said, like, Dylan Roof and Darren Wilson no, wanted to kiss her. No, they said Darren Wilson and George Zimmer And George Zimmer wanted to kiss her. Yeah. Which, okay. <laughs> it's, it's all levels of bullshit that you hear and that's yeah. it. We already know. We're not going to get into it. Yeah. It's, too, it's too much right now. That said, like, she definitely she definitely portrayed that as a gorgeous woman. Yeah. Um, amazing, beautiful black woman. Yeah. Must be said. But coming back to her performance. Whew. It was excellent. Keep in mind, this is a satire, so a lot of the, you know, a lot of it is kind of on the nose, and a lot of it yeah. is like to the max in terms of the the portrayals. And I think that's across the board. Yeah, there's still an art to selling that. Yeah, and she did a a really, really, really great job. Like you, you never, like she clearly wasn't above the material. No, I felt like she, I felt like she hit every note. Per- and it, actually, also too, now we're we're not going to talk about him right now. I don't think maybe even really at all throughout the episode. But Nick Cannon, yeah. it should also be said, like they were the two. He did a really these, good job. Nick Cannon did a great job. But yeah, Tiana Paris, every single like for you, you're right about satire. Like it could it could really easily slip over into Lampoon. Their yeah. performances could have slipped over into Lampoon. But every single note that she hit was absolutely perfect. Yeah, I, I was I already was a big fan of hers, but I was totally stunned by how good she was in this. I was yeah. totally stunned, which I think also could be a testament to what, again, what we talked about when you give black actors worthy material, yes. just like Nick Cannon. Opportunities. And, opportunities. And then also, too, like when you have a black story mm-hmm. that is being told by black people, yes. the level of direction that you're going to get to be able to depict black life yes. in a very nuanced way is going to be so much fucking better. So it's also a testament to Spike's direction. Yeah. So look what he, happens when you let black people it. make shit. Exactly. Similar to how the Wiz came out this past week, which was fucking amazing, yeah. and that was done by Kenny fucking Leon. If you don't know who Kenny Leon is, you need to you need to fucking Google and you do your googles. Do your googles. <laughs> do your googles. Yes, you need to do your googles because Kenny Leon is that fucking dude. When you let black people, when you give them, because that's the other thing is you know behind the scenes, yeah. Spike works with black folks. Yeah, he will He's hire all a black, about that. Always about high, having a black crew. There were some there were some imperfections with the movie. <laughs> there were some definitely some things where I was like. Oh, about this a lot of those i think were more ideological concerns that we're going to get into but as far as like it as a film um and as a satire i think that about like by like made by black people uh or rather uh, made about black people in a black community about a very uniquely uh in in some ways a uniquely black problem yeah Mm. yeah no i I, I in some ways yeah Yeah, yeah, in some ways or maybe the pathology, I would say. Like, the pathology behind it is yeah. is unique Nicely to black. us, yeah. But, like, it, the fact that it was made by black people makes such a diff. It makes such a difference. This 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 movie couldn't have been done. No. By Ridley Scott. <laughs> mm, no, <laughs> like, it couldn't have been done. It couldn't have been done by Ridley Scott. No, it couldn't have been done by Woody Allen. It couldn't have been. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's no way to really to understand how to capture what they captured, even in its satirical nature yeah to know where you can take it where you can't take it yeah and you know know, this is actually also like it also is like and this is a little bit of a tangent that i'm going to pull it back from and go back to the original point it almost makes me think about i got into a conversation with a friend about whether or not steven spielberg whether or not uh, Mm, the color color purple purple. would have been better if it had been directed by a black person or a black woman and i said unequivocally 
Yes. I was like, if you had somebody who was the same yeah. exact talent level as Steven Spielberg, of which there are tons of black women, you just yeah. don't know their names for obvious reasons, her cultural, just like her cultural viewpoint, like yeah. her, like where she is. There would have been things that you could have put into the film. Yeah. That he couldn't tap into. Exactly, because they're not, they would have been things, they would have been secondhand to him. Exactly. They wouldn't have been things that would have been firsthand. And that's not to say that movie isn't excellent. No, like, it's I, not to say, I never think, yeah. I, I didn't, I think he did a great job, but like, like there's it's just a difference. It's just yeah. a difference when you have black people telling black stories. Yeah. Oh, Tiana Paris. One thing I will say, it was so amazing to me as a black woman to see, first of all, a pairing that was where the man was lighter skinned than the woman. Mm. I don't know if you noticed that. In my yeah. life, that's the case. My mother is brown skinned and my father is God bless my father. He is the color of the inside of my palm. One particular like Monday, I had a girlfriend of mine, I think, who I didn't see that weekend because I was with my dad. And she was like, uh, so-and-so says she saw you and some white man unpacking <laughs> bags from Target in front of the quad. <laughs> I was like, that was my father. Yeah. <laughs> so to me, that's always been my life. It's very much like a like a Michelle Barack like mm-hmm. like like color dynamic. Yeah. To the point where I think I've met spoken this in an early episode. It might, it just didn't really. My ideas about colorism were formed in a like a different a different kind yeah. of way. Growing Usually, up. it's a different mix. Usually, it's the opposite, right? So like. Not only that, but to also have Tiana Paris, who is a like she's a for real black woman, for real, for real, natural hair throughout the film, or her natural. And not to say that like you know weave is bad, but just like you know she she was exuding blackness in this. Yeah, and also weave is a norm in 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 like in the Hollywood films, and she like she's brown skinned, she's darker than what you know. Still not she you know she's still not as dark as the full is you know saying not the full spectrum, but like she's darker than what you normally see. She's a beautiful brown skinned woman. She has full lips. She's got the she got the full body. Full body, broad yeah. nose, and you know I'm team thigh. <laughs> she is too. <laughs> <laughs> I saw your face just now, and she is too. And they had her in coochie cutters. They yeah. had her in short skirts. And like on one hand, I think there's some people who don't. And you got several things going on. Like on one hand, like the very like Instagram model look kim mm. kardashian yeah. aesthetic is like like you know the the amber rose and the um what is uh. Black the, China? Uh, Black China, yeah, that that type of aesthetic. Yeah. A lot, uh, people, many people feel pressure to mm. like to uh, to fit into that, and yeah. so I definitely understand that. And then also we have your classic, all your classic whiteness, which <laughs> magically Kim Kardashian also also falls into that category. Lucky mm. lucky girl she is. Yeah, um, towing that line. Yeah, towing that towing that line. But yeah, so we have like also like your quote unquote classic classic beauty, which mm. is you know white. Yeah, and all and all that that and all that goes with that. But to see Tiana, you never get to see somebody like. Tiana, who is who's got the thick thighs and the big butt and the full lips and the broad nose and um and like in the bright eyes and and the big hair, big natural hair. And this kind of relates to the whips too. Interestingly enough, like yeah. you know, uh, what's her name? Is it Shanice? I can't remember her last name. It was a seventeen-year-old girl who played the Dorothy in the Wiz. It was so it like that was super dope. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? It made me think like like I got excited because there's a whole bunch of girls who were gonna see that and feel the same way girls in my generation felt when we saw Brandy as Cinderella. Like I think about it is now. Shanice Williams. Shanice Williams. Is Williams. Is yeah. Oh, really? When I knew they were gonna cast that, I was like, they probably gonna find blessings to Tessa Thompson, but yeah. they probably gonna find Tessa Thompson, th- figure out if she can sing, and then make her the lead. Yeah. They're usually trying to find the lightest, brightest, mixedest person that they can. No, definitely, definitely, definitely. So when when they picked her, I also was like, I was like, oh, okay, I see you. And then also, I mean, I think the and the thing that also to note about that is that girl got fucking pipes. Ooh, like, like it's it's rare that you hear a voice that is that clear and that beautiful. Yeah, it's rare. Watch that clip of the second the second home. 
the the second performance. Of Home. Oh yeah. yeah, I cried. I cried when yeah, I watched no, it. She was excellent. But um, anyway, come back to the movie. But yeah, but, come back to the movie. It was it was amazing for me as a black woman to be able to see a woman who looked like that be like not only that there was a Samuel L. Jackson as Dolomites, yeah. which we'll get who to. Who killed that who shit. Who killed that shit. Uh, who had an entire, what, few stanzas about, yeah. like, going on and on about her beauty. Said yeah. Beyonce herself had to bow down. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? A lot of this stuff was hyperbole, but Spike purposefully set it up so that a black woman who was unmistakably and yeah. unshakably black was the the uh, the perfect ideal of beauty in the community. That is something that's fucking... It's rare in this day. It's rare. It's rare. And it was really nice for me to see. And I, I felt good about that. And that honestly extended to the whole cast. You know, there yeah. was a very broad swath of black women in mm-hmm. this film. And it was, and honestly, that was pretty great to see. Like, how often do you see, and I was saying this jokingly, like, in a non-Tyler Perry movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, this many black women. Yeah. Leading a cast. A lot of people got screen time. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you got to see a little bit of who everybody's personality was. Yeah. And, you know, that was great. Like, Lala was out there. Yeah. You had our other friend. I forget some of the names. There was so many. Everything came. It comes at you fast. It, just like life. Like, <laughs> it comes at you life. fast. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're going to take some liberties yeah. with the name and stuff. But her crew was definitely was definitely given a yeah. lot of shine. Like there it, was thick girls, there were fat girls, there were really skinny girls, yeah. there were short it was it was a full it was a full mix. There was weave, yeah. there was natural, there was perm, there was no perm, it was braids, it was wigs. It was like a whole a whole swath of different it was it it, it made me actually happy because I feel like like the same thing I think is applies to men in all movies too. Black men can look any type of way in any type of movie. Do you know what I'm saying? You yeah. can have so many different types of what black men can look like and be. I think we talked about this in Dope. Yeah. There were so many different types of black men. It was cool to actually have a movie There's where so there were so many different types of black women. And the conversations that they had like when they were in their in their private spaces. Yeah, trying to uh, organize the, the movie. Yeah, it reminded me, that the, especially the scene with the older black women, yeah. it reminded me a lot of the scene with the light-skinned women in Jungle Fever, mm. which is another Spike movie. It reminded me, like, like Spike did a really good job in, in Jungle Fever of having that conversation mm-hmm. with a room full of super light-skinned women in this really interesting way. It was cool to see black women in, like, scenes talking to each other and having, like, in-group exchanges Granted, what they were about yeah. is a different story. But it was, uh, I thought that, like, in many, like, there were, I had a lot of problems with the, with, the, with the role of black women in this film, which essentially is, like, a problem with, like, the role of women in the story of Liz Estrada, right? Yeah. Right? I mean, but, I guess we should, let's, let's, I mean, let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. So, so the, the plot of the film is that, you know, women stage a sex strike. Yeah. And this uh, sex strike is meant to bring the men to their knees yeah. and ultimately get them to lay down their guns and yeah. and, and uh, discuss peace. And watching the film, something that kept popping up back to me, uh, and it's, I mean, I imagine many people share this share this thought, especially if you even slightly on the woke spectrum. Yeah. Um, but a conversation we had... <laughs> woke spectrum, I love that, okay. In the, uh, in the last episode... Where you were talking about kind of your experiences at Howard, and yeah. to to recap really quick, women outnumber men at Howard, mm-hmm. you know, and it's almost exaggerated to a degree, uh, not to a degree, it's exaggerated, exaggerated. to a large degree, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, to the point where there is there's a power skew, and in terms of the relationships developed between men and women at yeah. Howard, you know, uh, women are often thought of as replaceable, mm-hmm. and you know, you were like that was an interesting thing to come into to come into school and, and quickly be be presented with 
my value in this way. Yeah. And, you know, I thought, like, I thought it was interesting, this idea, like, the idea of a sex strike. I mean, to be frank, it does it does reduce, like, the power of women in this in this context to only being able to bring men down or you, you know what I'm saying like yeah. like to get them to stop this by using sex. Yeah. And that's a that's a like that's a weird There's a lot. <laughs> it's a problematic thing to yeah. do. I understand that, that 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 plot device was, you know, rooted in like in this Yeah, ancient ass shit. Yeah, but that said, you you, you made it the plot of your movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and the thing about that specifically is I like as much as you can say, well, oh, well, this is a plot device. Mm-hmm. Spike also has put a surprising amount of faith in yeah. this plot device outside of the film. Yeah, you know when he's talked about it. Yeah, what like what do you think about the whole thing? What Eric is referring to is how Spike went on Colbert, Colbert, the Colbert report, or just it's like not, you know, it's, it's just no, show, it's, it's just it's, uh, it's late show, night. show, late yeah. night, late night, late night. You know, I don't, I got the bad, <laughs> I got that shitty cable, so like, I get like two, four, seven CBS. Six channels of brick and the Africa channel. That's all I get. That's <laughs> fucking it. Uh, I might get PBS, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So I don't really turn on my TV because it's a waste of time. But he was on the Colbert show and he, he like basically posited like a sex strike as like something that could really work and take and off, take off, and in combating campus sexual assault yeah. and like sexual violence. There's a lot of things wrong with that. Right. So first of all, uh, so Ta-Nehisi wrote about it, yeah. um, and he covered some points that I thought were that I thought were worthwhile. Of course, naturally, we will include that link in the in the in the notes. show notes. But um, basically, an issue with that is that that presupposes that rapists give a shit about what their victims think. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That like that, which is crazy. It also presupposes that rape is about sex, and it's actually about like violence, control, and power. Yeah. Additionally, that also like he said something about how it makes women responsible for the behavior of men and like that was something even outside of the sex yeah was an interesting thing that uh, there was like a theme, a in, theme the movie. in the movie like n- that women were not just responsible but also were the moral compass so e- yeah. like another plot line that was happening uh that was running you know like running parallel to the tiana paris of uh, the lizestrada plot line was this plot line where jennifer hudson played a mother whose daughter was gunned down mm-hmm. By a stray bullet. By a stray bullet. Now, what's interesting about that on so many different levels is that Jennifer Hudson's from Chicago. Yeah. Jennifer Hudson lost her mother, her brother, her older sister, and both of her older sister's children to a horrific act of domestic violence that happened in Chicago. Yeah. It was all gun violence. They were all shot and killed. Yeah. And or maybe 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 she had maybe it was wasn't both of her anyway, but she lost a lot of family to yeah. this to this like horrific act. And domestic violence is uh, is like da- and dating violence and sexual violence are, are are closely interlinked in a lot of ways. It was even weird. Like I was sitting there thinking, like you're from Chicago and you've lost a lot of family to gun violence, but not exactly this kind. Like understanding her as the character and also understanding her as as, uh, as Jennifer Hudson was totally surreal and, and really weird in a way. Uh, kind of weird, but also kind of a very spike thing to do. But anyway, like she was acting as a moral compass in a way. Mm-hmm. Like the same way, like in a different way than Liz Estrada and those girls were, and that she was always around, like as a constant reminder, reminding the men in the community that 
like what they were doing was wrong and that like you needed to you needed to you know think of the children think of how you're harming everybody in the community even at the very last scene when Chirac who the Nick Cannon's yeah. character didn't want to sign on to the peace accord like that they were signing at the end when he went to leave the public signing of the peace accord Jennifer Hudson flanked by like dozens of other women I think mothers who had lost yeah, their, um, children, their as well. children as well holding pictures of them all you know they were all wearing white that was kind of like, you know, it's this man's nature to want to be violent and to want to have war and discord and chaos. But it's this one, like, you know, like a bunch of women in white, right? Yeah. Women are, are always thought to be, and this is like a Victorian ideal, and this is also something that carries over through the black church and into the black community, are always thought to be the moral backbone of society. Yeah. So seeing them, seeing these women like who are supposed to be beacons of purity dressed in white reminding this man of his conscience do you know what i'm saying yeah was like it was disheartening but also like it was disheartening it was tough the whole movie uh, it didn't make me feel this way but like when i really thought critically about it it made me a little saddened that the bottom line was still kind of that it's women's responsibility to uh to put us back on track and and then that's even more problematic when like spike goes outside of whatever he covered in the movie and says in real life that it's women's responsibility to keep men from raping yeah uh, which is like a which is like (laughs) seems like an oxymoron (laughs) right exactly i'm just kind of yeah that was um that was that was troubling and also kind of makes it difficult it also kind of like it actually takes takes some some uh, some of the steam out of the uh, out, out of the, the satire. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, the idea is like it's so ludicrous and it's the plot device is so ludicrous in its yeah. nature and its extremity that you know that you're like, oh, okay, well, this is crazy, but I get what they were trying to do. Yeah, you feel you you felt I felt like you're supposed to feel like in a satire that you're being winked at by yeah. the filmmaker. Yeah, you know, you can laugh at this, and it it. it it came off that way in the film, right? And but then his actual thoughts, I'm just kind of like, oh, oh, you meant this, yeah. And the thing about, and honestly, the thing about Spike, and Spike is all, you know, Spike is an older guy, and yeah. sometimes, and it, I'm not, I'm not trying to be an apologist for him at all, yeah. It's, but sometimes he gets on a tangent, and like, I, I do sometimes wonder if he's just on a roll. Yeah. In what he's talking about, yeah. as opposed to this is something like he's thought through. He actually like feels this way. But the way he the way it came out in that interview was like, mm, this is what you like. You act you actually think this is going to work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. It came out about. to me as something that he had not thought about critically. Yeah. And like, but like also like rape and how to stop men from raping <laughs> women is not something that most people think about critically. Yeah. Even though it's something that happens like happens more often. Then people die from gun violence, actually. Well, I'll put you like this. 25% of women ain't getting shot. But 25% of women get raped in their lifetime. So there that is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If we had breaks, this would be like, well, we're going to take a break. (laughs) (laughs) This this movie is interesting in the sense of, you know, it provides a, a surprising amount of sexual agency. In terms of uh, in terms of women owning their sexuality and like yeah. asserting that, but it does it in such a problematic way. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's it like... posits sex as a reward for life. For yeah, do you know what I'm saying? As a reward, <laughs> as a necessity, as 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 like as vital as air, and also as a reward for living. Yeah, which I suppose in a way it could feel that way. I think everybody kind of feels that way. 
I mean, like, you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? If, you're, if I'm speaking, like, if I'm speaking, like, on a very personal, like, you level, I'm yeah. sure everybody kind of thinks this. People who like to have sex think of sex as something that's as vital as air yeah. and a reward for living. But when you uh, when you make it that in this context that really only applies to the men. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's uh, some shaky, <laughs> some shaky, some shaky ground. Yeah. So. I mean, so so to pivot a little bit, the other thing I do think is really important to talk about here, and you brought up, and you've talked about this a lot, is like uh, we we talked about a bit in the in the Outcast episode, uh-huh. um, in terms of sense of place. Yeah, and you know this place is crucial to this type of film. Yeah, it's you know to a certain degree in the title, like <laughs> to a certain. Degree. I love how you well, say it to a certain degree when you say it is literally. <laughs> In the title. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, the title is also Nick Cannon's character's name. True, so true, that's the only true, reason true, I was true. You know, one could say it's named after Nick Cannon, not necessarily named after Chirac. Getting Chicago right is kind of a crucial component in this film. Yeah. And to be honest, this was the one, like, it was a crucial component that he, he didn't, there's one that. Didn't nail it. He didn't hit on the head. Yeah. No. And it's interesting considering his other movies. Like,. Uh, yeah. Do the right thing. Well, no, I have, I have, um, I was writing some notes for this episode. Yeah. And I was like, you know, what was missing was Spike's sense of Chicago. He's got a head and an eye for Brooklyn, but none for Chicago, which isn't his fault. He's not from there. I felt like I didn't get enough of the city's flavor. Yeah. And then I had, in parentheses, meaning I was thinking about this, I asked myself, what are some other great movies about places? Like, what are some other great movies that have like sense of place? And then I, I'll have an all caps, LOL, Crooklyn. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Crooklyn, do the right thing. Even, you know, even Mo Better Blues. Yeah, even like, Inside Man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he knows how to make New York. New York look like New York, feel like New York. Yeah. And that was not the case in Chicago. No. True, the, you know, in terms of the locations, like, I recognize a lot of them from, like, shows like Shameless. Yeah. Or, like, um, being, oh, well, being, uh, I have, well, yeah, I do still have family in Chicago and spending time there. Like, I definitely was able to recognize that I have family on the South Side. Yeah. And I was able to recognize some things. Overall, I didn't like, I feel like he has a very anchoring sense of place when it yeah. comes to New York. I felt like you feel like you understand, you know where yeah. you are. I didn't get that from, from like, I felt like, I felt like it could have been, you know, when they'd be shooting shit in Vancouver for a while when people yeah. really only shot shit in like Vancouver or Toronto and they it's were like, this still is a New few York. Shows that yeah, it's still a few shows out there that are doing that. This is Chicago, but like, I felt like it could have been shot anywhere. Do you know what I'm saying? No, definitely, definitely. You know, outside of um, St. Sabina, which they uh, yeah. they shot in, and we go. <laughs> We're going to get to that. More about that later. More about that later. Uh, but, you know, outside of that and, like we said, like a few, like, iconic locations, like, yeah. the rest of it wasn't wasn't anything that I could place as, like, oh, yeah, you got it. Or even, like, um, there are so many things that I know about Chicago from, like, between, like, family and friends who live or have lived there and also, like, and also, like, going to school with, like, there's, like, I'd say 90% of Howard students come from Atlanta. Yeah. Um, I'd say another 20%, this is going to be, it's going to add up to more than 100%, another 20% from Brooklyn, uh, another 50%, there's a lot of, I feel, I feel like I met a lot of women from Brooklyn. Then okay. there's, like I said, another 50% of Howard students are from Chicago, yeah, and they went say, to fucking Whitney Young, right? Yeah, everybody. Right? Everybody from... went to fucking Whitney Young, which is also Michelle Obama's alma mater high yeah. school. There's a lot of stuff that I know about Chicago that, like, I just felt like wasn't there. I didn't. I didn't feel any of. I didn't feel any yeah. of those things. That I think, was that kind of sucked. Yeah, and I think a part me. of that 
came from he very much wanted to honestly and I'm not I'm putting words in his mouth a little bit mm-hmm. but it seems like he had you know he had this picture of what Chirac looked like to him yeah he had a picture of what Chicago looked like to him yeah and he definitely painted that picture yeah with a few things mixed in yeah that everyone else would recognize but you know what that also makes me wonder though was that a like a, an intentional decision Choice, yeah. based upon like trying to keep things in the satire realm he wanted where you like you want it to be you know i think part of the tension of satire is that it's hyper real but also like totally recognizable do you know what i mean i mean that's fair and it was also like very tightly focused spike's movies wander you know and he's cool with that and that's a part of like his shtick i think yeah this actually didn't wander that much like it was still probably about yeah, the same length i would say that but it was it was it was, it was very tightly focused like you yeah. it was very linear in terms of how he set things up and how he moved the plot along yeah and maybe you know may, maybe there wasn't that room for it he thought yeah in terms of like to take that time to really paint the picture or you know maybe he didn't necessarily know how you know what i'm saying yeah like, yeah yeah it, it, i mean it like could have been a bit of both. like when we talk about that we just talked about like black directors like black people making black work you know, yeah. making work about black people um like a new yorker making you know i i bet there are a lot of things that were lost in translation with a, a, a die hard new yorker yeah right this man bleeds orange yeah. you know what i'm saying like a die hard new yorker making a movie about chicago yeah and also like a like a die hard new yorker who's in his 50s making a movie about these problems that are really and i'm not saying yeah. that he like fucked it, like fucked it up do you know what i'm saying but like there's there's going to be things that are lost in translation but i thought that like for somebody with such a strong sense of place i found it interesting that like i felt there were lots of things about Chirac that were like could be chicago could be atlanta and even like moving beyond the sense of place a bit to to the overall feel of the film you know i think a lot of that can be we've seen like some of the initial reactions you know and we're recording this right after the movie's come out the movie yeah. came out friday but Chance the Rapper, he had a real strong <laughs> reaction yes, to the film. Yes, he did. In the sense of like saying that he doesn't support it, and he feels like he it, it's clear that he didn't have any affection for it, considering the fact Spike hasn't necessarily been there. Yeah, and he also you know pointed out one of the things we just said. You know, using a sex strike is <laughs> like yeah. he was like this is an insult to anybody with a family. Like yeah. he, he said, mothers in general. Yeah. But I don't know that that Spike could have gotten it all the way right yeah. because of the fact like you said he's not he's not from there and that's I'm not saying that to apologize for him because no. I do think you know that the movie definitely had its its problems yeah. and it and a lot of that comes from his preachiness you know I'm interested to to continue to see and we were talking about this last yeah. night yeah. I'm just interested to continue to see how people from Chicago identify or don't identify with the movie as like time goes on yeah. because of that because there's also, like, we talked also about, a little bit earlier, about the Chicago-ness of the film. Obviously, there's, like, a lack of sense of place, but also it, there were some things about it that were super Chicago. Yeah. Which things those were also, I, I could see people definitely taking issue with. Actually, I think this is a good opportunity to talk about John Cusack. Yeah, John Cusack's, <laughs> so... So, and, and, and don't get it twisted. I love John Cusack. Are you kidding me? I just watched High Fidelity again. I revisited that movie again a couple weeks ago. It was, it's one of the, if you haven't seen High Fidelity, I think it was like released in 2000 or 2001 with John Cusack in it, also yeah. shot in Chicago, which sound whatever, but like, yeah. oddly enough, that's a great Chicago movie, weirdly enough, actually. John Cusack is from Evanston, Illinois. So like, I was watching the movie thinking like, okay, so a couple things I knew about John Cusack. Yeah. I, first, I forgot he was in the movie. So when he shows up as the Michael Flager character, yeah. and for those of you who don't know, Michael Flager is this guy, he's like a priest. Catholic priest, yeah, Catholic who's priest. in charge of, I think, also like a 
Saint Sabina. Yeah, Saint Sabina, which is a mainly black congregation yeah. in the South Side, where he's actually from. Spike referred to him as like the moral compass of the film. And I think this might have had to, this might have been where some things were lost in translation. Michael Flager is also like a nationally known figure who yes. like stands uh, stands up against gun culture and gun violence, specifically in the South Side of Chicago. And like I have to give the man credit. Yeah. Like he committed. He's committed. He's committed. He's walking the walk, talking yeah. the talk, and has doing been the work. for a long ass time. And has been for a long ass time. He's the opposite of white flight. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He planted his heels. He planted his heels. Right. He stuck himself. He stuck himself right in the paint, right in the mix. But like using him as your interloper. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Is a very interesting choice to be when you're a, like a super famous black man, the most famous and revered black film director. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Black film director. You're not using Michael Flager as a guy who kind of got who kind of is showing you the showing you the situation like showing you the lay of the land is a very interesting choice and it's risky. Yeah. I don't know if that's something that I would have done and I and Spike being Spike that makes me wonder what what the decision making was behind well, that. Cuz I'm not saying it was necessarily like a wrong cho- the no, wrong choice. No, I agree. I agree in that I it's not necessarily the wrong choice, but for people who I think one for people who don't have the background it's kind of jarring. Like, yeah. I mean, John Cusack shows up in straight up, like, yeah. kente cloth when, pastoral robes. Right. So, like. Right. <laughs> so, John Cusack is playing basically the Michael Flager character. He's he's a, he's a priest. Yeah. He's with, there's a black Jesus, the same way there is yeah. a Saint Sabina, a black Jesus on, in the fucking pulpit. Like, fucking, what, 20 foot black, yeah. painted black Jesus back yeah. there? Hands outstretched. Hands outstretched. So, so, John Cusack comes in in this crucial scene where he is giving the sermon uh, at the funeral of uh, the daughter of Jennifer Hudson, this little girl named Patty. That also serves to basically give a quick, well, relatively quick uh, statistical recap of gun violence, white supremacy, and... uh, Redlining. Yeah, redlining, (laughs) gang culture, you know. Yeah, basically Spike is like, I'm going to speak to this character right quick. Yeah. Um, So it's interesting, like, so I was watching that scene watching John Cusack, like, do this. And, And, like, speaking in a vacuum, John Cusack killed that scene. He really did. Do you know what I'm saying? If he we're really taking did. all context out of it, John Cusack murdered that fucking scene. And generally did really fucking well in this movie. Yeah, like, he did. Like, you know, I fucking love John the, Cusack. He can act. I'm going right. drop some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he can act. No, he can act. But like John Cusack also, like, I was watching that and I'm like, this is interesting. Because I know John Cusack is from Evanston. Yeah. I also know that John, like, which is um, where Northwestern is, which is a, a kind of really super nice suburb that's like maybe 30 minutes away from Chicago. Um, I know that John Cusack, I think, definitely mostly resides in Chicago. I know mm-hmm. that he tries to film as much shit there as possible. I also know that John Cusack is like lightweight woke. Yeah. And like it comes from a family of of like lightweight woke people. So like seeing somebody that I know it, it, like that I associate with Chicago in a different way, who's a white person who lives in Chicago and is from the area and has like a lot of feels he appears to feel as if he has a lot of stake in in mm-hmm. the area play that role is really interesting. It could have been any other white actor. It could have been Brian Cranston. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? But like he chose John Cusack. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? But it also like it also made that character stand out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he could have like if you if you didn't know it was Michael like if it wasn't clearly intended to be Michael Flager. Yeah. You could have made that character black. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it wouldn't necessarily change the story. But keeping it keeping him white definitely you know made him stand out but it also was it also was weird because they it took you out of it because they had to sell you on his wokeness yeah and that was like that was also weird 
when so they're having a conversation uh, after I think it was the funeral of Jennifer Hudson's daughter. Yeah. And, you know, he's sitting there uh, talking to, uh, I think, Jennifer Hudson and a few other people in the in the uh, sanctuary. Yeah. And they're like, well, you know, what what if this sex strike works? What if we get peace? And then John Cusack goes on kind of like a like a two minute tirade. Well, you know, that's not going to fix anything because education, you know, like education is messed up. and You know, people can't get no jobs and, you know, you can't get housing and like the police killing people. And it was like, right. It was weird. It yeah. was totally kind of weird. Yeah. And mind you, you know, you again, we expect a certain amount of heavy handedness from Spike. Yeah. You know, absolutely. He's going to give you the message like 16 times. Message could have been shouted out at 25 yeah. different points of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but it was tonally off. Yeah. Um, as a result of John Cusack's presence. Yeah, it was an interesting choice. It was, it was an interesting choice. It was just interesting to me that like women were posited as the moral compass, moral center, and that also that, that this white guy yeah. was the guy who was like spitting the truth, right? Yeah. In in this context, which it was just like it was it was like a little weird. It was yeah. like a little weird, and I don't I don't mean to say that like white people can't be woke or participate. Yeah, in the movement. and I don't I don't mean to like ascribe any meaning to what Spike was trying to do because I don't know. I'm exactly. sure he's going to talk more about it. Yeah. Like in the in the next, you know, few months. But it was very interesting that like black men in so many different ways were without agency mm. in this film. Yeah. I think that I think that's a an interesting shift maybe to talk about even like the the role of guns. You know what I'm saying? Like they it was an interesting choice to figure out why they did it. A lot of this movie is like, hmm, I wonder why he did this this particular way. Yeah. Because you could have you know, a part of how they framed guns in the in the in the film was to bring light to the fact that our gun laws are fucked up. Like Chicago has relatively yeah. strict gun laws, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And like you can't just go out and buy an AR, you know, at Walmart in yeah. Chicago. It's not going down like no, that. They're not they, stupid. They ain't Texas. They yeah. Not stupid. Yeah. But if you go across the border to Indiana, as they say in the film, yeah. you know, you can you can buy whatever you want. Yep. Just bring it back. And so because of that, it seemed like because of that, they put a lot of emphasis on, like, guns themselves. Like, yeah. you know, there was a large part of the plot was capturing this armory, yes. which would have the stockpile of guns and, and, and ammunition, ammunition yeah. even though they never actually use it. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, it cool. Is what it is, right? <laughs> we, it was focused. Yeah. Right? We were focused, right? We were focused. <laughs> but the big crux of John Cusack's sermon was about the gun itself and yes. the gun's life. And even at the end, the, the peace summit was centered around this massive ass fucking pile of guns yeah. in the background. Yeah. So. Oh, and don't forget the part where Dolomites. He's kind of like a trickster character who's mm. also based on Dolomite, who's also based, I think, on like, like a chorus. Yeah, chorus. Yeah. Exactly, like the Greek chorus. It comes in at certain points of the story and kind of like lays things out and reminds us where we are and makes connections and like, you know, breaks the fourth wall and speaks directly to the audience. So at one point he's speaking directly to the audience and he's talking about like, you know, making some correlation or other between uh, gang culture and gang violence and uh, police brutality and police, you know, police murder and, and police violence and like. There's a point where there's a gangbanger on the left side of the screen. There's a white cop on the right side of the screen. They both shoot directly yeah. at the audience, right? And like guns are are having a, we're having an interesting, I would say, t- week right now. Yeah. Guns. You know, we could like we could talk about anything. We could talk about the fact that in Paris, like yeah. you know, what I'm saying like ISIS came through and like just shot up all these public spaces where people were like doing leisure activities yeah. and they weren't even all white. There's that type of like there's that type of fear. There's also 
all these domestic terrorists that we have, these white yeah. men that are running around shooting up public spaces. Like Planned Parenthood. Yeah, yeah. They they talked about Dylan, you know, Dylan Roof yeah. in, in, in Chirac. You also have, you have Laquan McDonald, who yeah. was in Chicago. Do you know what I'm saying? And that just happened. Yeah. It's weird. Even last night when we went to, we went to the movies. Like, yeah. BAM is like a super... I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a place where you would go see a play or like possibly a symphony or like a dance performance. Do you know it's what I'm saying? It's a very nice yeah. space. It's a super nice space. It's not even like a regular movie theater because like movie theaters are no longer sacred spaces. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Since Aurora. Yeah. And like once I went to I went to go see uh, Iron Man 2 or something like that a couple years ago. Somebody in the audience thought that somebody had a gun. And wow. so everybody – people – stampeded out. I just saw a tide of people. I was saying in the back of the theater, singing back. Saw a tide of people stand up and start rushing out. And so I was like, well, fuck, I don't know what the fuck is going on. It turned out to be nothing. It was stressful to say the imagine, least, right? Yeah. I assume that the same way that like, you know, that like, we talked about this before in a racism episode, whether or not you have experienced sometimes a traumatic event, if you've had a false alarm, you still have that like the that stress. stress. Yeah. When we went to BAM yesterday, which again is not like the the 84th Street Lowe's that I, or AMC or whatever that I was at a couple of years ago, before we went in there, there were two security guards that checked our backpacks. Yeah, and like went through it. They were checking. They were checking. And it's like, I was thinking like how weird it is that like, still I have a little bit of stress from going to the movies. Yeah. Like even though nothing happened, I still feel stressed in that environment. So I always am like extra vigilant whenever I'm in a movie theater. Because of gun violence in all of these different contexts, I know that myself and also like lots of other people are living with a low grade stress, like on a on a constant basis. And I think about you. You have a child. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? That's already enough of a low grade stress, right? Constantly. <laughs> and then you also are living in a, in a rapidly, increasingly more dangerous world. And when I say more dangerous, I think that like a lot of white people think it's more dangerous because it's more dangerous for them. But I ain't stupid because yeah. they they've talked about this in Chirac now. Like they're talking about Sandy Hook. Like if those people can't get, if if the if the deaths of kindergartners can't change things, yeah. Then what? Like what the fuck are we supposed to think about ourselves? What am I supposed yeah. to do, right? Yeah. And so like, the, like there's, I do, I, I do have a general feeling. Like if I'm honest, I do yeah. generally feel kind of unsafe, and I feel like that there's actually no place where I can be that feels secure other than maybe my home, yeah. I guess. Which makes me sound kind of like <laughs> I feel like a member of the Michigan militia, but like, I think as a black woman, that's not crazy for yeah, me to feel like crazy. I'm not safe. So it was weird to see like guns themselves and like have all like play a character, play a role in the film, and then also all of this conversation around, essentially around safety. Something that they kept saying to each other, the, the main characters kept saying to each other was, "You be safe, you yeah. be safe." This whole idea of guns and this whole idea of safety and security. It was very interesting that these larger things are happening at the exact same time. Are happening at the exact same time. It was very interesting that like that like guns themselves played such a huge role in the movie and safety itself played such a huge role in the movie. Obviously, it's satire, so it, it did boil down to the fact that if women stopped having sex with people, and if even if men stopped having sex with other men, yeah, that the peace would come. Yeah, but like it also is really saddening that that some of the the satire was taken out of it. I think we remarked both remarked last time that it was the first time that we had seen a Spike Lee movie in context, like in yeah. real time. So much of Spike's movies are messages speaking about the current climate, and yeah. we actually experienced that for the first time. 
yeah, we experienced it for the first time being able to understand that larger context. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, being real, like, we saw, I mean, we saw Do the Right Thing. Yeah. When we were kids. Yeah. Came you out can, two years after I was born. Yeah, like, you can get it, but you don't get it. No. Like, I remember my awakening seeing, like, Do the Right Thing on, like, the fourth time. Yeah. And being like, whoa, fuck, this movie is crazy. And like, even still, he was speaking about a very specific time when you had... Eleanor Bumpers and you had and this was post Central Park 5 yeah. and you and had even, uh, Anita Hill all those little touches and, t- and pieces and texture mm-hmm. that we couldn't like we couldn't really get or no. access because you know that we was babies like the Spike Lee that we came of age in yeah. is the inside man Spike Lee is exactly. the miracle in Santa Ana is the blood of Jesus yeah. so like this is our first I think this is our first official Spike Lee joint I agree so yeah to come back to the I think to talk about the gang life specifically, because that was another point that like where he tried or he put his spike classic spike heavy handed approach on to a point where I think he also missed some of the point. So gang life in particular, he portrayed it very much as something that the men were excited about and like excited about this like status quo. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. they, you know, Chirac himself up until the you know last like few minutes of the film. Um, was extremely committed to being a gang member and not changing shit. Yeah. And that's another one where you could argue for a lot of different reasons on why. And yeah. like some of those are re- definitely related to, to the plot. plot. Yeah. But that said, like, I also think about interviews I've read with gang members and people who are like in that life. And it's not like, you know, they're not choosing to be in a gang just because it's the shit. Like, one of my really good friends growing up, he wanted to be in a gang. Uh-huh. You know, he had grew up in the neighborhood. He moved, like, s- slightly further out. They moved him slightly further out so he uh-huh. wouldn't be involved. Um, but he used to talk to me about it. And a lot of that was goes back uh, to this feeling of safety. Yeah. Black men, you know, don't, in these types of neighborhoods, there isn't a lot of agency. You don't have a lot of power over your outcome. You know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah. have access to limited educational resources, limited, you know, job opportunity. You don't. You don't really get to... To choose, you think a lot of things aren't accessible. I'm not trying to make excuses for anybody. Yeah. But, you know, that's just, I think, that's a part of the reality of life. So, yeah. you cho- like, choosing a gang is thought as, it can be thought of as a tool for survival. Yeah. And that's, that, like, disregards the effect of that yeah, activity. absolutely. But I think that the choice of why is important. And they kind of, like, they touched on those things through through the film like if yeah. there was if there was better education we fixed job we opportunities jobs, yeah. but those were very much it was just kind of thrown out there black men's like the 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 gang the two gang the the people in the gang the men in the gang their whole relationship to the film was really interesting like there was an opportunity there say more there was an opportunity there to really dive into what it means to be in that life what uh-huh. it means to or I don't, not necessarily what it means to be in their life, because I will say they did talk about a lot of the almost horrific results that can happen to you in terms of yeah. getting shot, being oh, in a wheelchair, yeah. how that affects your body. Yeah. But they didn't really dive into any of the psychological gymnastics that you have yeah. to go through to be in that environment yeah. where you're, you know, where your existence is constantly in battle. That wasn't really addressed. Mm. Like it, it almost trivialized like the experience of being in a gang. Like you, people don't address the complexity of what that means to be in this environment, mm-hmm. to 
be in jeopardy, be under threat, whether it's from other black people, the police, or just a lack of opportunity. You know, you never know what's going to happen to your life if you don't do this thing or that thing. So you choose a gang, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then you're still kind of under threat. Yeah. (laughs) It's a complicated, it's an extremely complicated scenario. Yeah. And there was an opportunity to shed light on that complicated nature. Not necessarily to remove accountability. Yeah. But just to flesh it out, just to flesh it out. And that wasn't there. And that took me back to the Hotepian (laughs) nature. (laughs) Oh, we was in theater with some hoteps (laughs) last night with some (laughs) hoteps. You know, you have like you have this environment and just saying is like just just shouting, you're killing each other, we're contributing to our own genocide. You can shout all those things, but if you're not looking at what causes that environment specifically, yeah, even internally, the culture within Southside of Chicago, yeah. then you're missing a lot of the point, and you're going to miss the people who are in it. Yeah. And it's clear he obviously didn't have access to that. Yes. In terms of being able to tap it. Which also makes you think about who was taking, like, you know, who was taking him through Chicago. Michael Flager. Yeah. Yeah. It spoke to the hoteps. Like, folks was clapping and shouting, mm, you yep. right. Yep. You got it. Yep. You know, throughout the film. But to me, if you're, if you were super close to that environment, it's not going to, it's going to feel kind of false. Yeah. And that was kind of disappointing. Because had he had access to, to someone else who could provide a bit more depth. Yeah. We could have had a different film. And it could have been it could, it could have been really good. I would yeah. be interested to see it. Well, you know what? Also, that makes me think about, like, there was one scene where, because you find out that Nick Cannon, Chirac, is fucking throughout the sex strike, basically. <laughs> and there's this scene where after he has sex, he's, like, you know, cuddling with this woman. He's talking about how growing up, he realized that his mom was prostituting for a short while yeah. after his father died. And his father, I think, died in prison yeah. um, and also was in a gang. And it gave a window into the mind. Do you know what I'm saying? Of Chirac. Of yeah. Chirac. And of the type of person, like, like well, the, the circumstances that can go into creating that type of person. Yeah. It only went so deep. You saw, like, when Chirac, the character, was done, had closed, like, when he, clo- like, he started to, he shut down emotionally yeah. with this woman when she asked, like, like a simple question about the story that he was telling. He shut down emotionally. I thought that something, someplace where, like, now that you bring that up, he failed as a filmmaker, was not continuing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That was, that was, because that even kind of continues the idea. Not saying that he necessarily had this responsibility, but yeah. Spike feels like he has to take on a lot, right? Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I, I would be interested to see him, if he had done it this way or tried it a different way, um, or tries to tackle this t- topic again in a different in a different film, but black men coming to terms with their pain and their trauma. Yeah, you know what I mean. So much of gang, so much of 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 live of living in those types of circumstances, whether you're in a gang or not, is experiencing so many different types of trauma that you that you just really and truly are walking around with PTSD. Yeah, being able to like allow the character to say, "I'm going to stop here," but then continuing to to go go deeper into the character. Um, as a filmmaker, that would be more interesting. And that also could, in a way, provide more space in those types of conversations for the feelings of black men and for their pain and for their vulnerabilities. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
there's like (laughs) there was an opportunity there to kind of flesh like you said to flesh flesh that out out. and it just and it wasn't there and i i'm not not saying that spike lee is responsible for men's behavior in real life as a woman who dates black men i've come up against that type of a wall many times and i wonder that's just like like again we talk about art about black people made being made by black men if that's just a byproduct of his own i mean i think socialization yeah i think it is and also his there's also a a generational divide absolutely I think it's interesting publicly a lot more black men are able to kind of tap into that and bring light to it Mm -hmm. but it's clear that in this particular environment spike wasn't it's obvious to me the shriners group had more characterization Mm. than the broader Trojans, Spartans, gangs. Very interesting. Very true. And, you know, that's clearly as a result of Spike being able to write them more clearly because... That's his generation. That's his generation. Even if you think about it, that's the group of men that eventually, like, the group of men that had a standoff with the group of yeah. women who were denying sex. That's That makes so much sense. Like, that was, in a way, uh, that was a distorted mouthpiece for Spike because exactly. that's, that's like you said, that's his generation. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that was one of the things that really just kind of... It kind of disappointed me about the film because I think had he had access to, you know, maybe he wouldn't have been able to tell it exactly right because at the end of the day, he's an older man. Yeah. But had he had access to or even sought them out, I have a certain amount of faith in who Spike is as as an artist to Uh be able to channel that to have made a better film. That said, you know, the movie's still great. Yeah, the movie is still great. It is. It is still great. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. The other thing that I I did want to touch on, yeah. you know, because we run it. We talked about gang life and we talked about, you know, that kind of uh, constant battle, like, you know, almost a forever battle, it seems. But the other thing that I think is shouldn't have been as trivial in the film yeah. is what happens after after peace. Mm. We're it's often said that if black if black on black violence ends black people will rise up we'll be able to change the game and remake this world that we once had or blah 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 Uh blah 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 to me that just completely misses the point we talked we talked about in dear white people yeah gentrification ends that doesn't make these neighborhoods yeah like like a positive environment exactly yeah if gangs stop fighting that doesn't immediately make this neighborhood somewhere where you want to raise your family. It's one piece of the pie. Exactly. These neighborhoods are lacking crucial resources in education, public services, in job opportunity, economic opportunity. And they touch on that in the film. Yeah. But they make it seem as if black-on-black violence is the immediate impediment to receiving those things. Like, if we just stop fighting each other, literally, all the Fortune 500 companies in the world will say, we're going to give every black person a job. Right. It's a satire. But clearly, that has no fucking place. Right. (laughs) Like, in reality or truth. And there are so many other, like, after you, quote, unquote, stop that, stop that violence, Mm -hmm. it is a long way until you get to the things that black people and people in impoverished neighborhoods need yeah. to be healthy, safe, yeah. and have access to what 
some people say we should. And it's it's also like being blissfully and willfully ignorant of history and yeah. specifically the history of Chicago, which they touch on, I think, in one specific line. They talk about like gangs in Chicago from forever. Now, on one hand, you could be talking about the vice lords, which were started in what, like the... 50, I think late 50, late 50s, 60s. Because, you know, I, I loved I love me some American Gangster. I love that <laughs> fucking show. I love that show. Um, because the, one, of the, one of the things about that show is that it acknowledges that there was a necessity yeah. to having an, like some sort of community crime organization. Because yeah. if you think about it also, you could go back if you think about gang violence in Chicago. Who was fucking lit? Who was in Chicago shooting up movie theaters? The dudes that was looking for Al fucking Capone. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's been it's been lit in Chicago for a strong minute. And I could see how, like, back in the day, being when when being Italian or being Irish was not the same as being white. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? In the United States, being black ain't never gonna be the same as being white yeah. in the US. But now being Italian or, or being Irish means that you are white. Back then, Italians didn't have the same social mobility that they do mm. now. They didn't have the same economic mobility that they do now. So they stayed in their own communities and they organized their own shit. Not completely dissimilar to the fact that, like, black people were in similar circumstances yep. in the same city. I'm not, I'm not like championing, you know what I'm saying? Like, gang culture. Gang yeah. culture. At organized all. crime. No, not at all. But it's interesting how that's a storied gang, like, white gang culture mm. is glorified in so many wild oh, ass man. ways. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which as you said, that's a different conversation altogether. <laughs> but it's glorified in so many wild ass ways. Or even the people who who appear to be white, right? Narcos. Them folks in Medellin, yep. they ain't they ain't white, but they're not black. And also like it's interesting what's happening with like our population in the United States and like demographics because like there are more and more white Latinos and white pe- and white Hispanics, right? There's a lot of Colombians that are white Hispanics, yeah. right? So like you think about like Al Pacino playing playing uh, it was a Scarface, right? Yeah, who's supposed to be a Cuban yep. Cuban like crime boss, right? Mm-hmm. But like a white Cuban crime boss, yeah. and that's a, and he's glorified. You think about The Godfather. You think about Goodfellas, which is a movie I can't even lie, I fucking love it. You think about The Sopranos, like Casino, Casino, right? Gang culture, if you're white, is glorified, and it's like an interesting, colorful part yeah. of Chicago history. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But like. When it's black folks and it's the vice lords and it's people living in, it's black people specifically living in poverty and black people under the boot of the American government, right? Yeah. Never mind the never mind the criminal justice system, but just like the government itself. It's very interesting how black how black organized crime is pathologized and white organized crime is celebrated. And the truth is, we participate in that. Yeah. You know, it. So much of hip hop references. Like the glorification of white criminals. Yeah, Scar- Scarface is a rapper's name. <laughs> Machine I mean, Gun shit, Kelly a is of, a rapper's name. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a whole, it's a whole lot of you can run through the list. Yeah, like I mean, literally, you talk about movie like Scarface. You talk about Goodfellas. You talk about The Godfather. Like, yeah, those films specifically completely fucking changed hip hop. Yes, 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 like, yes. Completely fucking changed hip hop. Yeah, and you know, we we definitely have participated in that but yeah. that's also kind of as a result of like the enduring nature of fucking white supremacy like <laughs> surprise <laughs> take it back three full circle uh we should have a bell that we ring yeah we, whenever we say white <laughs> we get back to white supremacy yeah uh but you you know what i'm saying like because of that it's interesting like on the other side the flip side of that like our hotepian 
as I like to say, <laughs> yeah. brethren, they don't realize that even their, like, I hate to say the word demonizing, because I don't want it to seem like, you know, gang culture isn't bad to a certain degree. Like, it's not something that needs to be addressed. Yeah. But the way, like you said, we pathologize black gang culture uh-huh. is also complicit in white supremacy because we're not really, you know, we're not really bringing light to white gang culture, white organized yeah, crime. Yeah, yeah. And what that does to those communities and how, be, like, despite that, they're still able to access a ridiculous amount of resources and opportunities. Yes. Yes. Hmm. Who's most of the people that's on Snap? Who's most of the people receiving WIC? Seriously, like, who? Who? Like, White people. Yeah. White people. So. so. <laughs> <laughs> I like, say go see this film. Go see this movie. Honestly. Yeah, like, unless you're from Chicago and you're feeling iffy about it. And I can see how. Like I would say. Fair. You ain't got to go. Yeah. But I would say like as a cultural moment. Yeah. If it's, if, if it's something that's within your emotional capacity to see. If you can see it in theaters. I would say definitely go. It feels very much like. To pimp a butterfly in the yeah. sense of as a conversational piece, yeah, there's a lot of utility. Like there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of value in Chirac yeah. as a conversational piece. And honestly, that it like that is where Spike shines. If you don't know much about Spike, yeah, generating conversation, <laughs> yeah, is something that brother is skilled at. Yeah, and there's <laughs> like, like nothing also. As imperfect and flawed as what he puts on the screen is, there's nothing about it that isn't true for some people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of like how the actual like, there's a lot of shit that happens in this movies I don't agree with. Yeah, but like in this people, movie. yeah, in this movie too. But people, it's people out there that feel this way. Yeah, and like it's important to know that and understand it and understand that to a certain degree, and also like. It's a really important film, and on so many levels, it's really well done. And in so many levels, it's like an experiment yeah. that was successful, I would say, more often than it failed. And, like, the ways that it failed were still interesting, and now I am su- I'm so excited for the next thing. It's actually yeah. kind of, like, I in a weird way. I'm excited to see it again, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking I'm actually see it again, too. But it's, it, it makes me actually also want to revisit Dear White People, like, that film, mm. because, like, Really, it, like seeing a Spike Lee, seeing a Spike Lee, a true Spike Lee joint in real time. Yeah. Um, it made me. It was so obvious that it was a satire, and I think that so many of the things that I struggled with with Dear White People, I, th- I felt actually like a, a kind of the way that I do now, but like even more so, where I was like, I felt that that film misfired in so many levels. But like, I am so excited and yeah. so thrilled to see whatever Justin Simeon and definitely Lena Waithe do next. Like, yeah. I'm supremely interested to see what Spike does next. Now that I know what it feels like to see a Spike Lee film in context in mm-hmm. real time, it makes me want to go back, like I said, and, and watch rewatch Dear White People. But it also makes me want to go back and watch some of his other satires. Bamboozle. Yeah, it makes me <laughs> want to go back and watch some of his other satires that that maybe felt like taking that swallowing some cod liver oil at the time. Yeah. But like now that I know what it feels like. That maybe like I, I might f- see them differently, but that's also the mark of like a re- super fucking talented person, yeah, with a which, great body of work that you can go back and see completely different shit. Yeah, which is Spike Lee. Yeah, which is Spike Lee. Yeah, yeah. Like I definitely want to go back and watch Bamboozle. Like I loved Bam. Actually, I really liked Bamboozle, which was weird because I was probably like thirteen. Yeah, at when the it, time came it came out, came <laughs> out. If that, like if that. Yeah. But I mean, I. Actually, I know why because I was super into Most Def and like the Mau Mau's was in it. Oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. But um. 
But no, I definitely want to go back and watch it because I, I know for a fact there's a lot of shit that I just really fucking missed in that. Yeah. And then also, like, Damon Wayans, like, was, was excellent in that movie. Like Yeah, he was. Um, Savion Glover. Like, yeah. It, anyway. I don't have enough, like, I wish we even had, like, I don't wish we had more time because I don't want to stress y'all. But, like, Spike is is so good with fucking putting, putting people where you wouldn't expect to put them. This was a great example yeah, of that. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So thank you for sitting through this long ass episode. Yeah, <laughs> this extra but long I episode. I feel like if you saw the movie, then I think you there's could... some value here. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some value here. Open it. Hopefully, God. we set the bar high. We set the bar high in here. <laughs> but no, thank you so much for thank for, you so for much. rocking with us for as rocking always. with us as always. Uh, we'll be back soon. Yes. Um, till then. Till then, go write us a review. Write us a review. Uh, and if you saw Chirac and like. Tell us about it. Tell us about it. Like, can you hear this episode? Like, tweet at us. Like, we are desperate to talk about this movie. I know there's a, probably some stuff that we missed. Like, yeah. the movie is thick. Like, <laughs> thick is not the we word. We could do an episode on, on like 10 minute segments from <laughs> throughout yeah. the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, so like, tell us what we missed. Uh, tell us what you think we got wrong. You know, tell us what you think we got right. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Not everything in life is flexible, but at Capella University, your education can be. With our game-changing FlexPath learning format, you're empowered to fit education into your life without putting other priorities on hold. FlexPath lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them when needed. You can take courses at your own speed and move on to the next one when you're ready. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.